NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong. Last week, the former crypto wonderkin Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty for his role in the collapse of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX. The 31-year-old former billionaire fashioned himself as someone who would revolutionize the crypto industry. But he now faces the prospect of a life sentence. Federal prosecutors focused on what they framed as a pretty simple case of fraud. They said Sam Bankman-Fried siphoned billions of dollars from FTX customers to FTX's sister company, a hedge fund called Alameda Research. The jury deliberated for just a few hours before handing down its verdict. And NPR business correspondent David Gura was at the Manhattan courtroom for the four weeks of this trial. After the break, we talked to David about what he saw and what he can't unsee from the Sam Bankman-Fried trial. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. NPR business correspondent David Gura, welcome to The Indicator. Thank you for having me. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being like the DMV and 10 being a full three-ring circus, how much of a spectacle was this trial? It sounds pretty spectacle-ish. It was a spectacle in that you are in a line waiting for hours, so you're kind of craning your neck to see who's there. And I will say, like, Sam Bankman-Fried's parents had to come through the same line as all us. They didn't have to get there early in the morning to wait, but we had to go through the same security line. And then um, Ben McKenzie, the actor from the OC in Gotham. Oh, yeah. Former indicator guest. And noted crypto skeptic. Exactly. Yeah, then you'd break, you'd go outside, and there'd be, like, the crypto vlogger who's setting up the small tripod to do her update on how the trial unfolded that day. So um, it was a bit of a circus, but in this kind of very conservative, confined space where, like, you couldn't have a cell phone or a camera or a laptop inside the courtroom. Oh, I imagine these crypto influencers and vloggers must have been so sweaty at the prospect (laughs) of having to surrender their phones. On that note, you know, something that Sam Bankman-Fried's defense team petitioned for was for him to have access to a laptop during the trial itself. He'd been in jail for like a month and a half after he had his bail revoked and had limited access to a computer just in the jail. And they wanted him to have a computer at the defendant's table, obviously not connected to the internet in any any way. But that first day when they brought it out to him and he sat down, it was like he was reconnecting. (laughs) You could could sense how much he'd missed just having that. What was he doing with the laptop? Was he looking up stuff? He was going through documents. He was taking notes. And then Mm. somebody told me who was in the courtroom for the closing arguments that he was typing very loudly. So I think it it was a means by which he could kind of punctuate or telegraph his emotion. 
Okay, so instead of furiously scribbling on a legal pad, he's clacking away. So the clackier it gets, the more agitated. That's right. I did not see him write much. So during the trial, how much did prosecutors get into the weeds on how crypto works, how FTX as an exchange works, uh, Alameda researches trades? They kind of operated at two levels during the course of the trial itself. So um, there was kind of just a very basic sense of what the alleged fraud, now confirmed fraud, was during during the course of the trial. But then they would ask each each witness, you know, what's this cryptocurrency that you kind of invented out of whole cloth? Um, I was actually struck just by the simplicity of the fraud itself. There was a moment early on when Gary Wong, who was Sam Bankman-Fried's co-founder and really like the computer guy, the programming guy, was asked about the changes that he made to the computer code that let Alameda Research, this private trading fund, skim this money from from FTX customers. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Like we're getting we're gonna get into like whatever <laughs> programming language this is. And yeah. I think what was really striking is they effectively showed how easy and simple that change was. It really was a small change to a few lines of code, and they really drove home to the jury, I think, that, um, yes, it was deliberate, but also, like, this was like flipping a switch. Did you get the sense that for all of the kind of, like, complicated mechanics that have been assigned to FTX and the inner workings of exchanges and Alameda Research that... Um, it actually was very simple at its heart, or was it more of like a legal strategy to present it as simply as possible? I think it was canny of them to recognize that the fraud was very simple. What was happening here um, is people would deposit money into a bank account that was shared by these two companies. I think that was very simple for the jury to understand, that there was money that was supposed to be on this site, and then all of a sudden it wasn't, and we saw a lot of evidence about how that money was spent. What were the most compelling parts of the star witness testimony? We had a few, right? We had Carolyn Ellison, SBS former girlfriend, and then we had Gary Wong, his childhood friend. I was just struck by how far this friend group had fallen in such a short period of time. Just a year ago, um, most of them were living in this lavish penthouse apartment and working six days a week together, kind of cheek to jowl in these FTX and Alameda offices in, in the Bahamas in a real life of luxury. That's gone now. And there was something sad as an observer to see, obviously, three friends testify against another. Gary Wong and Sam Bankman-Fried were friends since math camp and high school and reunited at MIT. So all of that was really compelling to me. And then just how unequivocally they pointed the finger at at Sam Bankman-Fried as the person who kind of orchestrated this scheme. Now, SBF himself had a choice about testifying. He didn't have to testify, but he did decide to go on the stand. Uh, how do you think he did? Not well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a high-stakes gamble that he entered into. And the first day, during direct examination, he handled it very well. Um, like, his lawyer asked the questions, so it was a friendly questioner. We went through a lot of biography. And then the cross-examination started, and it was like, <laughs> it was like night and day to lean on the old, the old cliche, but like, it was clear that so much prep had gone into this. And every time he claimed not to know something, or what had happened, or who had been at a meeting, or if there'd been a phone call, or was he on a Google Meet, et cetera, et cetera, Danielle Sassoon, the prosecutor, had metadata to indicate that he not only was in the Google Meet, but he created it. He was there for X amount of time, um, you know, that they pulled up tweets or Twitter spaces that he was a part of after FTX collapsed. So this was very much like his own words coming back to bite him. Oh, wow. Wow. So it is like peeking from behind splayed fingers kind of a thing, the cross-examination. Yeah, it, it was rough. I was not in the room itself for that. I was in the overflow room and there there was kind of like a different, different cultural feel in the overflow room because you're able to react in a way that you aren't in the courtroom. So there were definitely like 
gasps and laughs and uncomfortable <laughs> other uncomfortable exclamations from reporters and looky-loos and um, members <laughs> of the public who had come in because it became so painful. And do you think this trial will change how venture capitalists approach and vet companies and founders going forward? I mean, we did already have Theranos. Now we've got FTX. I don't cover venture capital a ton, but my understanding from talking to folks in the space and reading a lot about it is um, things like this haven't changed as much as perhaps they should have in the past, even though this was a really glaring disaster for them, for venture capitalists. I think that there's always going to be a desire to pour money into something that they think is the next big thing. I think they're always going to be entranced by a founder who seems different, less run-of-the-mill, who's promising big ideas or big changes. This cult of personality will be different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so then when is SBF's sentencing and what are the next things to watch out for? It's supposed to take place at the end of March. That could get pushed back a little bit. So until then, he's in jail in Brooklyn at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Sunset Park, which is um, by all accounts a pretty grim place. He faces 110 years in prison if the judge goes with the max on all of the charges that he was found guilty of. And then there are all of these civil suits that are swirling. So the bankruptcy is continuing in Delaware. So there's just a lot that's still happening. You could continue to track this for many months and, and years to come. You know, years from now when you're thinking back to that heady time when you're covering the Sam Bankman-Fried trial, do you think there's like a moment that will really stick with you? Something that I can't forget is a moment when Gary Wong was on the stand and the prosecution produced these loan agreements that he'd signed. So personal loans for $35 million, just substantial amounts of, of money and it became really clear he had no idea why he'd signed them except for the fact that Sam had told him to. And he hadn't seen any of the money. When I talked to somebody who was there from the public who was watching it, and he said something to me that has really stuck with me too, which is, like, these are math people <laughs> who went to MIT, went to Stanford. You know, they decided to channel those energies first into finance and then into um, crypto. And all along the way, they've seen things through that prism as numbers when this becomes kind of like monopoly money to you. I think that kind of the moral issues on the side were extraneous, but the goal was to make as much money as possible for these numbers to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, David Gura, NPR business correspondent, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. This episode was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Nisha Hines. It was fact-checked by Cooper Katz-McKim. Our editor is Kate Cannon, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How, how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash NPR.